Uh-oh, pressure's on. We have to be on our best behavior. I was trying to yell no, and then I ch choked on my teeth. <laughs> so I guess that's a yes. <laughs> I, I, was, I was really wondering what was happening. Wow, that was, that um, was hilarious. That's what I get. Oh my God. <sighs> Instant karma. <laughs> I don't always believe in karma, but when I do, it's because I was being a jerk. All right. Well, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Cause for Joy podcast. As you can tell, we are full of joy today, mostly at laughing at my crazy antics and my ridiculous behaviors. It's good to be with you. Same. I was still confused. I had to compose myself. Oh, my gosh. Who, thought, who would have thought we could okay. have this much fun, these many miles apart? This is, I, you know, I'm really impressed with this platform that we're recording on it just yeah allows us to continue to do it and that we can see each other's beautiful faces <laughs> including father kevin's that's right choking at least you didn't die that's true so. that's true yep would we technically have been witnesses to your death like would we have to like talk to the police um yeah probably what it, we would have to give like some sort of witness statement what if i didn't want to what if I wanted to allow it to remain a mystery? I think that's like breaking the law. Oh. So. Okay, then just kidding. Then I would give witness. I was to say, it. pick your poison. I would say, oh, Father Kevin, he will be greatly missed. I'll help the priest write your homily. There you go. Or your the homily. For your, your homily. <laughs> <laughs> the homily for your funeral mass. Got it. Got it. Yeah, you know that's actually one of the. Uh, one of the interesting things about being a priest is that um, like you can, you have to fill out this paperwork and you get to choose like which priest you want to preside and preach at your funeral, which is really interesting for most people. It's just whatever, um, you know, you're a parishioner at that priest, unless you know of somebody um, that you're close friends with and you had like asked them in advance or whatever. But like as priest, you get to kind of like design a funeral, you know, kind of like a build a bear workshop. It's like build a funeral and like, who do I want for um, the presider? Who would I want for the preacher? And it's, yeah, kind of fascinating, actually. But but there's actually, while we're on the topic of uh, priest funerals, which sounds morbid, but there's actually like some really um, beautiful, fascinating, fun facts that Emma would appreciate as a liturgy person. Um, Emma, did you know that, um, so when a casket is brought up to the altar for uh, most, I, th I think for lay people, I think their feet face the altar, but actually when a priest is having his funeral, his feet are facing the people. And I think part of the symbolism of that is like, um, when you think about the resurrection of the dead and like if that person were to stand up, it's like the faithful are facing the altar and then the priest is facing mm -hmm. his people. So I, I think that's where the symbolism came from. But anyways, I know that that's one of the things. There's another thing that happens at priest funerals as well that I, I just learned about. Oh, I think that they're their feet are uncovered. So usually when a person dies, um, like the bottom half is closed, like the casket is closed over that bottom half. Um, but for a priest, that part remains open because of the scripture passage that says, um, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Mm -hmm. So 
Wow. Yeah. Hmm. So you look That's at cool. our Catholic faith in so many rich symbolisms. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. That's that's really that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Well, isn't there also something not necessarily with the priest funeral, but when a priest is ordained, they can keep the cloth that their hands are wiped on, and then a lot of times priests will give that to their mothers. Yeah, I, I think that was um, more commonly done with the older rites. It's not as common anymore because it's not in the um, current rites, but but I know that that is one of the beautiful symbols that um, can be passed on. Yep. Yeah, so basically what they would do is they would give that cloth to their mothers, and then the mothers would be buried with that cloth. And the symbolism was kind of, now she can take this to Jesus, and when Jesus says to her, you know, how have you lived for me? She can hand that to him and say, I have given you my son, essentially, which I think is pretty neat. Yeah, so that that, um, cloth is called the manaturgium, and uh, one of the other traditions then is that... um, the stole that a priest was wearing for his very first confession, um, there's a tradition of uh, when your father dies, you can um, put that in the casket, like the stole that you were wearing for that first confession, um, because um, the, the father of the household is, is kind of symbolic of um, bringing forth uh, justice and mercy in a particular way. And um, so that's the other side of the coin. The mom could receive the uh, manaturgium and then the father would receive the um, the first stole of his the first confession. That is so cool. Mm-hmm. Another reason why we should do that episode on, uh, or the deeper dive of the theology of the priest. It, I think we talked about that a couple, couple episodes ago. You know, one thing that is a possibility, I mean, I'm thinking out loud of planning future episodes, but when we have a priestly ordination coming up in the diocese in several months, we could do almost like a, since we can't do it live, we could do like a pregame, like play-by-play commentary of like a priestly ordination mass and like walk people through um, some of the different rituals that take place within an ordination so that people can hear about it. And then when they watch it live, they can uh, appreciate the beauty of what all is happening. So do we get to have like snacks and stuff? Like if we're oh really going to pregame? Yes. Okay. <laughs> ordination tailgating. Uh, so... This sounds like it. That sounds like a fantastic idea. So we probably, hmm, I'm going to volunteer Deacon Matthew since uh, God willing, uh, he will be the one that's ordained. Yeah, that'd be awesome. So uh, Deacon, if you are listening to this, um, watch out, start clearing your schedule. <laughs> there you go. Priorities. <laughs> Anyways, priorities, right. Exactly. Cause so, for joy is at all the right. top. Well, exactly. Yeah. Always. Always. <laughs> uh so we'll we'll do, go ahead and, and dive in since we've you know bantered for a while uh good banter though father you are leading this episode and you kind of briefly told us what you were thinking about um so why don't you go ahead and explain and kind of take the lead on what you're hoping for Sure. So this um, topic was inspired by a retreat that I was just on. So all of the priests of the diocese were just on retreat for um, like three or four days just last week. And the retreat was led by a team called Acts 29. So they're based out of Detroit. They're led by um, Father John Ricardo, which many people know. He's uh, on Catholic Catholic Radio um, and a number of other outlets. And uh, Mary Guilfoyle and um, several other people do a really good job of just putting on a good retreat for priests. 
And uh, if, if you want to hear more about their, their stuff, um, it, they, they have really good material. Um, they have a podcast called You Were Born for This. And then their website has a lot of good uh, materials as well. And that's, so it's ACTS29, so A-C-T-S, and then X-X-I-X, as in when you open up the book of Acts in the Bible, there's only 28 chapters. So the 29th chapter is us as a church right now, continuing the church that um, we hear about in the Acts of the Apostles. So one of the things that they share on retreat um, is that they operate out of three essential principles. And they share this with um, staffs of chanceries and parishes. They share it with priests when they're on retreat. So this isn't like confidential or you have to pay for it. Like they're more than happy to just share these three essential principles that they believe will help to bring true reform uh, to the church. So the first thing that they talk about, we spent the first day focusing on is that we have to be able to reacquire a biblical worldview. Okay, now that is a really deep topic. We could spend a whole episode talking about what exactly that means, what it consists of, but that's, that's their first conviction. We have to reacquire a biblical worldview as we look out and make sense of the world. Second thing that they talk about is that it's not enough to be a staff. You have to become a team. And then it's not enough to become a team. You have to become a family. So that has to do with kind of like organizational health within a parish, within a diocese, um, staff morale, all those various things to help make sure that our parishes are functioning and operating as healthily and as vibrantly as possible. The third thing that they talk about, which I wanted to um, kind of unpack today and have us talk a little bit about, is kind of the simple on the surface um, conviction that they have that God has the plan. Okay, now what they mean by that is that usually what ends up happening at a parish council meeting or uh, diocesan like chancery meetings, whatever the case may be, whenever we get together in the church and we want to you know, advance the mission of Christ, we want to do what it is that the Lord has asked us to do with our particular community that we're a part of, or if you know, you're with the young adult group of the diocese, like with this group, what is it that we should be doing for our future efforts? What we tend to do is we'll open up the meeting with a quick prayer and then we'll talk about what we think we should do. And then at the very end, we ask God to bless our efforts, right? That's typically how it tends to be done. Whereas the team was challenging us to reconsider what if like God himself has a plan for this diocese, for this parish, for your family, whatever the case may be. And he actually wants to reveal that plan to you for you to implement. Not that he necessarily does it all at once, right? He usually does it maybe piece at a time and he leaves some mystery behind it. But what if God has in his mind already a plan that he wants to reveal to you for you to then carry out as opposed to you having your own preconceived notions and just going what you think is best and then kind of asking God to come in at the very end and just bless the efforts. So um, it, it, I mean, it takes some spiritual maturity to be able to discern how is it that I can tell what it is that God is saying to me um, in prayer. But, um, but that's, that's kind of like the uh, principle that they put forth. And, and this is something that's done in the context of community. So this is not just me and my personal opinion of I went to prayer and I felt like this, but you get actually the whole team to go in together into prayer to pray about a particular question, and then to reconvene as a team and talk about, well, what is it that you felt the Lord uh, revealed to you while you were in prayer? 
Um, and then, and then we talk about it and get a sense once everybody has shared, okay, this is what it seems like God is saying to us as a team or as an organization or as a parish. So I wanted to share two images that they shared with us of like an image to visualize what this concept looks like concretely. And then, um, I'll, I'll kind of get your thoughts on this. So the first image that they shared, so they said that their first offices when they were first starting out were in Detroit. And they said for the first several months there, there was a lot of construction going on outside of their building. So they would look outside and they'd notice that every day, these construction workers, they would all come into um, their trailer early in the morning. They'd be in there for maybe 20 minutes to a half hour. And then they would leave the trailer and they'd go out and they'd do their work for the day. And they said this was the routine each and every day. All the workers, they'd come together, they'd meet in the trailer, they'd come out after about a half hour, and then they'd go to work. Well, what is it that is in that trailer in a construction site? It's the blueprints, right? And so all the workers, they come together, they study the blueprints, the whole thing, like a, a zoomed out point of view, and then the specific details of what they're working on that day. They look at the blueprint, study it, and then they go out from there and do the work based on what it is that they found in the trailer. And so the people at Acts 29 started noticing this and they thought that was such a cool idea that, that they actually made a sign and they put it above their chapel. So the sign says the trailer. And so whenever they start off their day of work, they go into the chapel and they pray together as a team. And maybe at that point they have a question that they wanna ask the Lord about. Um, but usually what happens is that like later on in the day, maybe they're having a, a meeting about some of the things that are coming up or what direction to go in. And maybe there's a little bit of conflict. There's some different ideas of what it is that we should do. They'll pause and they'll say, all right, let's go to the trailer and uh, bring this question to God. And so they'll just pause. They'll go to the chapel. They'll ask God, what is it that you want to reveal to us about your plan for this? Then after, you know, 10 to 15 minutes of prayer, they come back, reconvene. And then it's like, well, what is it that the Lord revealed to you in prayer? And then that is what they end up going with. So, um, and, and the second image, which goes along with that, that they realize this is based off of a biblical example, is that when Moses was constructing the tabernacle in the book of Exodus, it says that, you know, God revealed the heavenly tabernacle. And so Moses then made a copy of the tabernacle on earth based on what it is he saw God reveal from heaven. So he was simply implemented implementing what it is that God had been revealing to him. So that whole idea of, do I genuinely believe that God will reveal parts of the plan to me if I'm willing to listen and like go to him in prayer? Um, like that, that can be challenging for a lot of us who are just used to um, going with our own ideas, our own misconceptions, or maybe um, we don't want to talk about it as a group. We just want to do like, I have my idea and it's right. And I, I disagree with you. So I'm not even going to listen to you. So it, so it challenges us to um, discern things together as a group. Um, there, there's just a lot here that I was personally challenged by, but also inspired by. So I had um, a couple of questions that maybe could lead to discussion. But before that, I wanted to pause and see if um, any of this is resonating with you, what it is that you're thinking as I share this concept. I think as, as somebody who works in a couple of parishes, how vitally important this is. Uh, and, and I think we overlook it. Uh, we can talk about, oh, we need to bring people to Jesus. We need to bring people to Jesus. And, you know, we can listen to even what the, the people in the parish are saying, right? Uh, but ultimately, 
we like how often do we okay lord what is it that you are saying right like what is it that you are saying um because you know the desires of our hearts more than we know them uh you know what we need more than we know them uh and so i i i'm challenged and convicted by that right and i i forget who it was and it may not even have been a, a catholic speaker uh but somebody that works even at a protestant church that he had said that he would go uh and just into the the worship space you know or whatever and in this it may have been a catholic author or a catholic speaker i'm not sure but they would go to the chapel and with their calendar for the day and they would sit there and they would pray over whatever meetings whatever appointments that they had uh and asking the lord to bless that right like, lord what is it that you want me to do today and uh and i was like wow that's that's a really good idea for personally right and I did it for a, a little bit, and then I got out of the routine, and so I'm, I'm now being convicted uh, in a good way, in a healthy way, to start to do that again. Um, but then to even work as a staff, right? What is Jesus asking of us? Like, what is Jesus asking? So um, definitely it's hitting, it's, you know, hitting me pretty hard. So Mary-Kate, what about you? So it, it honestly reminds me of... Um, the youth ministry at the cathedral where I'm the youth minister at and uh, we have been trying to get this youth ministry program started for like two years and we just kept getting um, we would get we'd get some momentum and then it would die for various reasons and so finally my pastor and I we had a meeting and he was like you know what let's just go into the chapel and see what he's saying and so we went in and and we prayed and and asked god okay what what do you want from us and it was interesting how we were both kind of receiving the same things um in that you know the devil is very real and he doesn't want this to happen so what do we have to do to make it happen essentially and um what I essentially received in prayer was we needed a revival. And so I planned this event um, and invited a bunch of different kids. They all came, and that pretty much kick-started our youth ministry program. After that, we started meeting regularly, and um, it's, it's been going well. And so it's interesting how when, when you frame what you are doing within prayer— and within, okay, God, what do you want? Not what do we want. Um, he'll come through. He'll come through. He'll talk, he'll talk you through it. You'll, you'll, you'll get to where he wants you to be. Um, and so I think, I think that's really important, you know, to, to start everything, everything with that. So we, we also have a guest on this, this episode. So we have Madison joining us again. Uh, so she has some thoughts on this. Yep, so I get to be back again. Third podcast is pretty cool. I don't know if we have a name for that yet of that like tier of, I don't know, three-time guest. We'll have to come up with that, but that seems pretty special. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so yeah, listening to Father explain that, that's a really interesting concept. And I totally relate being in, involved in various things like with pro-life work, the scholarship that I am um, have been a part of organizing, which has been amazing a lot of our meetings do go like that go like that that we start with prayer and it kind of ends there a lot of the time you know because then we're talking about our ideas what we've gotten done since our last meeting what needs to happen next 
that kind of a thing just going on the agenda which isn't bad but it could always be better so I, I love that idea and it kind of reminds me of brother Lawrence of the resurrection his uh practicing the presence of god really incredible and i just i love that concept and i'm so bad at implementing it which is like like emma said like a little bit of conviction right there like i need to do better at that of it's basically just the concept of and he talks about it much more in depth but the idea anyway is that in every moment you're actively inviting god to just you know be with obviously already is with you but practicing and reminding yourself of his continual presence in everything you're doing um and it just completely shifts the the way that you go about your day and i can totally tell when i'm aware of it it totally changes the way that i interact with people the choices that i make it's just it's really a really cool concept so it kind of reminded me of that i love that that's really cool yeah thank you emma did you have something you were gonna say Oh, I was just going to say, uh, now I've got another book recommendation Yeah, that I'm going <laughs> to it, it, It's a good one. Yeah, I read it a few years ago. It's, it's uh, I think, really helpful, um, a good spiritual classic. Um, so a question then that I wanted to tee up based on all of this is, so Mary-Kate has had the experience of seeing this done before. Like, let's actually go to the chapel and pray with this question. And to be fair, Mary-Kate, I know your pastor, and he actually did a lot of work with Father John Ricardo and the Acts 29 team. So not not, not to like... Yeah, not surprising. Yeah, not to like <laughs> downplay the fact that he did that, but it's just like, you know, that's that's part of where um, he at least was um, inspired maybe to, um, to implement this. But so for the rest of us who have not seen this, my question out of curiosity is, why is it that we don't do this more often? Why is it that we just start off the meeting with prayer. We talk about our ideas and then we ask God to bless it. Why is it that we haven't this whole time as Christians been really immersing our, um, our projects or our missions for the parish and whatnot in prayer and actually going to God with these concrete questions and asking him to reveal why, why haven't we been doing that this whole time? What do you think? Honestly, I think it's because we don't trust that he's actually going to tell us anything. Boom. I, I think I think we don't we don't think that he's actually going to come through. Yep. Yes. I just I summarized all that in uh, the word of fear <laughs> that we're uh, that I think that there's this this sense of this fear of that yes okay we are either one not going to hear the Lord speaking or two uh, we're fearful of what this is really going to entail right mm -hmm. like what is he what is he going to reveal to us uh which then can lead into the next point of that i think there's this fear uh that we are not capable of carrying out the plan and the will of god uh that we like we don't have the talents we don't have the gifts we don't have whatever it may be to carry out the will of god and it, you know and then that that forces us to then look interiorly and even out words to everyone else realizing that we are the body of Christ and that upon our baptism we have the gifts and fruits of the Holy Spirit and God's not going to ask us to do something that we aren't going to be able to do right like he's either go he's going to equip us to be able to do it so he's going to strengthen gifts and talents uh, but he's also not going to call us to do something that is absolutely 100% like I I impossible 
right? Like he's going to use the resources. Now God can do anything, right? I mean, God can make the impossible possible, right? He can do that, but he's going to pull together the people and the gifts and the talents that are necessary uh, to carry out that mission. So I think I echo what Mary Kate says, like that we don't feel like we can hear from him. So I think there's a fear of not being able to hear from him and a fear of the unknown, fear of the challenges. And then also I think this, this concept of, well, who am I, you know, like who am I to, to do this? Right. And I think of people like St. Joan of Arc or St. Catherine of Siena, right? These, these two great saints that I can't imagine that St. Joan of Arc was like on her own will <laughs> wanted to do what she did. Right. And I can't imagine that St. Catherine of Siena on her own will wanted to do what she did. Right. <laughs> but they did because the gifts were already there. And the Lord brought people into their lives then also to help them. Um, so. It kind of reminds me of um, how when a man is chosen to become Pope, he's led into this room called the Room of Tears. And basically he just lets out, he lets it all out. He just sobs. And that's essentially because who in the world would want to have that job you're in charge of all of (laughs) all of the catholics of the entire world you know like that is an incredibly huge responsibility and i also just laughed a little bit because father raised his hand like oh i i want that job sounds easy um (laughs) and so like along those lines um emma with what you were saying about you know those those saints um you know why would they want to do this it's because the popes and and those saints they knew that god was behind them and so they could not fail it it almost it also also reminds me of uh moses with his hands raised during the battle and how when he could no longer do it um he had people who held his arms up for him and that's kind of what god is asking of us trusting that he'll hold our arms up, essentially. Yeah, I totally echo what what you guys said about an element of fear, and I think there's probably some pride underlying that, because I I totally relate to (laughs) that feeling of, like, first of all, I don't think I have what it takes to actually make this project, this thing, whatever I'm working on, to actually make it happen. Uh, You know, I don't think that he'll actually reveal anything to me, you know, and if we vocalize these things a lot of times it sounds silly like you know so i think that's why it's so important to have a good group of friends and like people that you're working with that you can kind of vocalize those fears to and then you you know you hear yourself say it out loud and it's like okay that's clearly ridiculous and another fear that i notice a lot in myself in like these meetings or these different projects that we're working on is like the fear that if i truly do surrender this it's not going to go the way that i envision it And so it's, again, that underlying element of pride that somehow if my vision comes to fruition, that would somehow be better. And it might be a little bit easier that way. It's probably my way is the more convenient way, (laughs) but uh, convenient isn't always better. And I I think too, I mean, going off of the pride, like we all struggle with pride, right? I mean, that's a, that's a human condition that we all struggle. Father, (laughs) I'm the most humble person I know. <laughs> I would pat but, I would pat you on the back, but your hand's already there. Ah, you're right. 
Oh. <laughs> but I mean, but it's that's the reality of it, right? I mean, like we all can be focused on ourselves, right? I mean, that's something that we all struggle with, and it's how do we then open that up to then surrender it to the Lord, right? Um, and, and recognize that this is something great that humanity as a whole struggles with, right? And so, and I, I, I really don't think that any any person is really exempt from that um just because of that's how satan works and but yet how do we then surrender that right how do we go to the lord with open hands instead of clenched fists right so yeah this is this is really good i i'm really glad we broke open that question because you guys are saying a lot of things that i think are going to resonate with it's already resonated with me i think it resonates with a lot of our listeners and so maybe as a way to synthesize it um, as, as you were speaking, I think these are like the three maybe main questions we'd have to like honestly ask ourselves when it comes to this. So we can all quote the passage from Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, you know? Okay. Well, here's like three questions we need to ask ourselves, like three layers of that question. I think the first layer is, do I actually believe that God has a plan? Or do I more honestly think, no, I, I think he's kind of like left us on our own. Like he's just kind of distant. He has no way, he has no plan to be able to reveal to us. And so he's just kind of like, just figure it out on your own. I, I'm too tired of this, or I, I don't really care about that. I'm up in heaven, just minding my own business. So you guys have to figure it out. So that's the first thing is like, do I actually believe God has a plan um, for this parish, for this diocese, for my family, whatever the case may be? Okay, then I think the second layer is, okay, if I believe that God has a plan, do I then believe that he can communicate it to me in a way that I will be able to like understand it and know it? And I think the challenge to that is perhaps we're thinking, well, no, like I'm not holy enough. I don't really know how to pray. When I go to prayer, I, I can't figure out what his voice is versus my own. And so I'm not even going to enter into that realm of trying to get a sense of him communicating that plan to me. So that's the second, I think, fear or challenge is, um, can God actually communicate his plan to me in a way that I would know it? And then I think the third layer, which you guys were spending a lot of time on, is like, if he has a plan and I am able to discern what it is, am I okay with giving up the comfort, the control, the pride that would rather, you know, play it safe and be predictable the way that I want to do it. And uh, so I, I think you have to be honest with yourself and um, just allow the Lord to like maybe heal and bring his truth into those three areas. Um, because I think if, if we're not convinced that God has a plan or if we're not convinced that he can communicate it in a way that I can uh, perceive at least a, a glimpse of the plan, some aspect of the plan, or if I'm not willing to give up um, control uh, in a way of giving him the initiative, then there's going to be um, a, a struggle of truly implementing his plan. But if there can be an openness in all of those three ways, then I think it's going to lead to some incredible transformation. Something that came to mind, especially when you were talking about the second question, um, that if when we truly believe, if we truly believe that, that God has a plan for our life, for the life of the parish and the diocese, you know, whatever we're involved in, and do we believe that he will speak to us in a way that we will understand? Uh, it's important to remember, too, that uh, the Lord does not play hard to get, right? 
like the Lord does not play this intense game of hide and seek. Now, it may take some time to navigate some of the waters, but I don't believe that the Lord makes his will and his plan so hidden that we are never able to figure it out, right? And to follow it. Now, with that, <laughs> we have to have the correct motives, right? Like we have to truly be seeking the heart of God. And that, that's where we have to lay a, aside our pride. We have to lay, you know, focusing on what we want. We have to lay that aside. But if we truly do that, I, I don't believe that the Lord will play hard to get because he ultimately wants us to, to seek his joy. Yeah, I have um, some things to say, because on the one hand, I agree with it. On the other hand, I might push back in a certain sense, because, I mean, like in the mystical tradition, they might say that sometimes in prayer, it can feel as though like the presence of God is sort of feeling hard, like he's playing hard to get. Like some days it feels like God is close to us, and then some days it feels as if he's um, kind of drawn away from us. And so he um, sometimes will do that. He'll allow those feelings of not feeling close to him so that with our will, we will seek him out. Um, so ultimately, you know, we'll, we will be able to find him. But sometimes in those times where we don't feel like um, his presence is super close, there is a little bit of that element of like hard to get. And then when it comes to his plan specifically, um, I, I do want to kind of differentiate. There are certain things that um, we can believe that he'll reveal to us. So, so we know we, he's already revealed to us like um, his will in terms of the Ten Commandments and all that it is that Scripture and the tradition teach about how it is that, like, overall we kind of shape our lives um, so that we follow his will in that way. And then we believe that um, for the big things like our vocation, like, he will either instantaneously or, like, gradually reveal his will in that way. Um, but I, I do think that there needs to be said something about how, like, that doesn't necessarily mean that with each and every teeny tiny decision that we make each day like we need to ask for god's will for that right because i remember i was in seminary and uh i it was like a, a little phase of my seminary days where i was um i think a little bit more like scrupulous and anxious than i am now and like we had this conference about discerning the will of god and um like always asking god uh, what it is that he wants for like every decision and then i was like feeling a little self-conscious when i went to breakfast after that because i was like God, do you want me to have the banana or the grapes? God, it doesn't seem clear to me what you want me to do. Oh, no. And I'm having this existential crisis in the buffet line of breakfast. So um, so I, I think that there is a sense in which there is a mystery sometimes to God's will. And sometimes he's not going to fully reveal it until we simply take that next step. Um, so I, I want to push back with that and say that there are certain things that we believe that he will reveal but at the same time, there are some things that he will keep a mystery, and sometimes that's for our own good. So we either don't get scrupulous or so that if we were to see the whole plan all at once, we might not even take the first step. So those are some reactions I have to that. Right. And, and I think I I didn't mean that as far as like, oh, we just have to remain passive and the Lord will reveal his will. Like we do have to take steps, right, to for the Lord to reveal his will to us. Uh, but as long as we're remaining faithful to him, right, uh, and not operating off of surface level feelings uh then like i think we're able to navigate those waters and, and when we take that step like then he'll reveal the next step and then he reveals the next step right um that type of thing so yeah i understand where you're coming from madison yeah i just want to echo what emma said a few minutes ago. that is so huge like that is so important and i <laughs> funny what father said about like 
over discerning when you you know become aware of that I can you know access the will of God that he can reveal things to me and then it you kind of become like you said over over scrupulous and discerning every little thing there was I I never know who it is I'm always gonna misquote it but I just think it's really funny there was somebody I don't know a Canadian monk or something who knows who said that uh, something about like ever since discernment has become fashionable uh, no one's made a decision since or something like that. So it's like, you know, you ask someone a question about like, how is something going? Like, oh, I'm s- still discerning it. Like, gotcha. And there's an element of that that's really super important. That's where I think it kind of comes back to what Father was describing about this program, about this idea of inviting God into all of these decisions that we're making, practicing the presence of God and being ever aware of his presence and how important and honestly vital that really is for us. Um, but also not discerning things to death because he wants us to have a well-formed conscience. He wants us, you know, Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. He wants us to be attuned to him um, and to be able to have the spiritual maturity to make those decisions on our own without feeling the need that we need to discern every little thing to death. Um, and I think that just comes from time and, and spiritual maturity. Um, yeah, I think... I, I, I'm kind of with father on this one with, um, yes, God's going to always show up, but there are times when we cannot feel him. We know he's there, but it's like, okay, where are you? And it's funny that we're actually talking about this because I literally was just talking about this with Jason only a couple weeks ago. Um, and essentially I, I, what I was saying to him was, I want to be like, um, father Adam, and how he just prays and God gives him what he wants him to know or an image or a word. And when I pray, I feel like I'm either getting silence or I'm like, am I just hearing what I want to hear from my own point of view? And I'm, am I, is it God or is it me? And in a certain sense, when I was talking it through with Jason, I was like, okay, but how much of that is me getting in my own way? Because I don't believe he's not going, like, he's not going to talk to me. Because I know he has talked to me in the past in different ways, whether it be through other people, whether it be through the scriptures. Um, and so I think that that can be part of it, too, is um, whether we are getting in our own way or is God calling us to... Um, a certain time of spiritual desolation and what does he want to teach us through this spiritual desolation and I think part of that uh, comes with when we talk about Father Adam love the man um, so shout out Father Adam Uh, but I think it comes like part of the spiritual maturity that even Madison was talking about is recognizing uh, the, the movements of the Holy Spirit within our 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 hearts right and and okay what emotions what feelings are of the holy spirit uh, and what ones are not right uh that even in times of desolation you know okay if we're feeling incredibly anxious right or if we're angry or frustrated at something like is that really of the holy spirit right you know um and then or are we finding that even in times of desolation where we may not feel the presence of god do we have a peace uh, and knowing that the peace comes from the Lord. And so I think it's not saying that we make every decision based on our emotions or our feelings, right? Uh, but I do think they were given to us for a reason. And, and I think we, we should, you know, be in tune to them, right? Uh, and recognizing 
what is from the Holy Spirit and what is not. And I think that also can help us make even those everyday life decisions too, right? You know, when we notice those movements, are we acting on them as moments of grace? Or are we, oh, well, I don't know, you know, like, do I want chocolate ice cream or vanilla ice cream today? I don't know. What Lord, what is it that you want? And I mean, in the grand scheme, he doesn't really care uh, because he also gives us free will. But that sense of, okay, what is from the Lord? What nudgings are from the Lord and what aren't? So that takes that even deeper spiritual maturity, too, in discerning those. Yeah, I think that's really important. And just what I'm thinking of right now is that we need to recognizing God as an attentive father. Right. And so looking at people like Father Adam, who like Mary Kate says, it's like he can go pray and he'll come back with like some profound, (laughs) like something that he received in prayer. And then it's like hearing people like that can seem discouraging. Um, But I just want to encourage people that even when you have those people, it's because it's just, it shows us the great diversity and uniqueness in the body of Christ in that each and every one of our relationships with our father is so different because he knows we need different things. And sometimes that means concealing his will from us because he knows that a period of dryness or even a desolation is actually for our betterment. And it's not that he just wants us to suffer because he doesn't care or we deserve it or whatever, (laughs) but that it's actually for our growth and maturity. Um, There's a quote from St. Therese. I had to look it up because I knew I would misquote it, but she says, Um, This is of her last conversations. She says, Everything is grace. Everything is the direct effect of our Father's love. Difficulties, contradictions, humiliations, all the soul's miseries, her burdens, her needs, everything, because through them she learns humility, realizes her weakness. And I think that is so important to recognize because we can feel like we're failing if we're not receiving some sort of profound message every time we go to prayer. Um, but that recognizing having a life of prayer and, you know, having a structured structured prayer every day in the morning, in the evening, both, whatever, is so important because it's more about being faithful than having, you know, some sort of profound experience every single time. Because in all of our relationships, are all of, none of our conversations in a relationship, not all of them are going to be super profound. And, you know, most of the time, it's just... You just kind of hang out and relax together, just being with each other. And I think that gets back to the practicing the presence of God is just being comfortable to be with him and not that you need to be, you know, having all of these massive revelations or something like that because it's just not how it works. Yeah, thank you. Those are some really good insights. I I especially um, was resonating with, um, I think you were were all kind of talking about this idea of the 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 uniqueness of each person, the diversity in the body of Christ, how God has a um, a unique and a personal relationship with each and every one of us. And like, he knows our temperaments. He knows, um, I mean, he knows how to speak to our hearts in a way that's going to be different from the person to our right or to our left. And so um, there's going to be, for some of us, it might be like, he'll speak to us more so through images than anything else, others through scripture. Um, there's, there's a lot of different ways in which God speaks to us because, again, God is not a magic eight ball. He's a person, right? Um, and so I think that's, that's key for discernment. So just, just to um, maybe just go back to this overall concept of 
not just discernment in general, but the um, like discerning as a team what it is that God's plan is for us as a, a particular group. Um, so I, I know here at the parish, I want to try to brainstorm some ways for um, us as a parish to be able to utilize this principle. So maybe being a little bit more open, like at parish council meetings to taking like extended periods of time in prayer. If we come across a question or we have various directions to go in of like, well, let's actually pray about this. Let's ask if the Lord wants to reveal something to us about this and then reconvene and hear what it is that the Lord revealed to us in prayer. If we got a sense that the Lord um, revealed something in that time. But one other like practical thing I wanted to leave you guys with is um, they also talked about how this is something that can happen even on the level of a family. So the guy who was giving this presentation is um, a husband. He's a father of, I think, about four kids or so. And he said that he does this with his family. They've gotten into this practice of um, they'll pray together as a family about a question, and then they'll leave that time of prayer and reconvene and say, okay, what is it that you felt the Lord was revealing to you about this question? So uh, for instance, when they talk about um, parish renewal or diocesan renewal, one of the things that they have you start with is the question, where is the deepest wound in our parish? So you take that to prayer as a team, you pray about it, you reconvene, and then you say, well, when I was in prayer, I sort of got the sense that um, what God was saying about what our deepest wound as a parish is, is, and then you kind of talk about it. You just listen to how it is that God was speaking to the people around you and how it is that therefore he's speaking to you now. And then there's like a series of other questions that they do at, at the next meeting. So I think the next meeting they say, and how is it that the enemy, the evil one, is trying to make this worse for us? And then I think the third round is, um, and what is it that God wants to do to bring like healing and restoration to this? Right. So that's that's one way that they break it up. But he says he he did this with his family. He, his adults are or his kids are all adults and they're out of the home. And I think they started out with this question of like, what's the greatest wound in our family? And so they all prayed about it, and then they reconvened. And kind of the unanimous thing that they all thought about to share was like the Lord really revealed to me this desire I have on my heart to be feeling like closer to you guys. Like we're, we're moved out. We're distant now. We don't have the closeness that we used to. And that's, that's really bothering me. And I, I believe that the Lord wants us to be closer as a family. And then from there, they were able to say, okay, well, we're going to implement like once a month, we're going to actually like concretely get together for meals or, or whatever the case may be. But that, that resolution of how it is that they grew as a family came out of together, let's pray about this question and see what the Lord reveals. And so I would just leave families with um, the word of encouragement of maybe you want to um, get together as a family and just pray about the question, like, what does God want us to focus on as a family this year? And then see what it is that um, the Lord reveals in prayer. And, you know, we could do this as a podcast. Um, there's, there's so many other um, groups and teams that you can do this with of just giving the initiative to God, trusting that he has a plan, that he desires to reveal it, and that there is a way in which we can come to know what that is, and that it's better than anything we can think of on our own uh, if we could just be willing to give up our uh, desire for control and predictability. So, I think you just kind of drove it home right there. <laughs> Mary-Kate, did you have anything else that you wanted to add to that? I was just going to say, I completely agree about the, the family idea, because, I mean, that's something that Jason and I are doing right now as we search for a house, you know, we we kind of take it to, to God and say, okay, what are you what are you telling us about this house? Or what are you telling us about this house search in general? Um, 
and it's been really fruitful i think so um i completely agree with you father it's it's not just something that you can do on a parish level or an individual level but it's definitely something that you can do in your families as well that's that's really cool and i just want to draw out there again for our listeners to hear is that your prayer is not God bless us with a good house. Amen. But it's like, God, what are you teaching us through this? And like, what is it that you want to say to us in the midst of this job search? Like those are two completely different prayers. It's not a bad prayer, of course, to like petition God and ask him to bless the process, but you're taking it to the next level of inviting him in as if he has something to say to you in the midst of all this, um, which, I, yeah, I just draw that out. I, I commend you for that. That's, that's really beautiful. So awesome. Okay. Well, do you have anything, Madison? Nope. I just asked if Madison had any final closing thoughts. Okay. You good? Yeah, I think that's really important. That's really cool. Getting to, like Mary Kate was saying, inviting God into that process. And that to some people might seem like over over discerning or whatever. Not that you're necessarily discerning, you know, which house to buy or whatever. Um, but inviting God into that process, because the more that you allow God to enter into every aspect of your life, you're giving him more space to reveal himself to you and to, to convey whatever messages you need to be hearing or to not convey messages to you if that's more so what you need at the time. Um, so I, I think it's really cool and that it can be really discouraging to hear. I think I was discouraged by that for a while of those like periods of like, well, prayer feels kind of lame right now, you know, whatever. But those are so important. Those times are really important because it's forcing you to rely not off of your surface emotions, like what Emma was talking about, but on the concrete, which is your love for God and his love for you. And based off of that relationship itself and not anything that you get out of it, um, because that's not the purpose of prayer. The, the purpose of prayer is ideally intimacy with God, which isn't always super exciting, but it's always fruitful. Amen. Cool. Well, Thank you, Father, for that. Uh, man, we went deep. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> Which was good. Yeah. That was that was good. But no, some good questions. Like I said at the beginning, I feel convicted, <laughs> uh, you know, in work and then just even personal life, a good reminder. So uh, with that, we probably should transition into one choice. So who wants to go first, but not me because I don't know. Oh, man, I was going to say... The first shall be last and the last shall be first. And since you always want to go last, you should have gone first this time. But I can go if uh, if you need me to. It's called preparation. Well, e- yeah, either you or the other two. I was, I was thinking actually about five minutes ago, I kind of panicked because I was like, I don't have a one joy. You should ask <laughs> Jesus what the one joy is. Okay, well then give me a little okay, bit of time Okay, you go here. discern that. In the meantime, I will share the fruits of my prayer, which was that um, one of my joys recently is just seeing our um, the folks who are coming into full communion with the church. Uh, they're not doing it this Easter vigil because they're all already baptized, but actually they're going to do it the weekend after that, which is Divine Mercy Sunday. So we have um, a 16-year-old who was um, baptized but never received the other sacraments afterwards. So he's going to be receiving the sacraments. Um, and then we have a... 20-year-old who um, has a Protestant background, but she'll now be received into the Catholic Church. So she'll be um, confirmed and receive First Holy Communion. And then uh, we have another gentleman who's 20 years old, and he was um, baptized as a kid and uh, I think received First Communion and First Reconciliation, but never got confirmed. So he'll get confirmed now. And so it's just really beautiful to see their excitement for the faith, their excitement to receive the sacraments. That's always like 
refreshing and life-giving for people who are maybe cradle Catholics and they can just be rolling through the motions to see that fresh and just new uh, excitement in uh, folks like that is just really encouraging. So um, they are my one joy for this week. Um, I would have to say my one joy is, um, so right now we're recording several episodes, um, not just one at a time. Uh, and so we recorded one already and in between we had a little bit of a break. And so I called Jason, I FaceTimed him so that I could say goodnight to Mary Trez before she took her nap. And it was the best thing. She answered the phone and she was like, hi, mama. And then she was telling me all about how she was going to watch Polar Express and she was turning on the DVD player and Emma tried to say hi to her and she completely ignored her. (laughs) And it was just, it was really awesome to see um, Mary Trez and interact with her while I'm away from her for this short little amount of time. So mine's kind of silly, but (laughs) I had a really bad cold for like a week and I was so tired. It made going to class at 8.30 in the morning, if not earlier, going to work at, you know, strange hours because I work at a hospital, um, really difficult because I was so fatigued. It was terrible. So I am pretty much back to 100%. And so it just reminds you to be grateful for the little things when you're feeling good and healthy all the time. You don't think about it. And then you get sick and it's like, wow, that is really rough. I need to be more grateful for having like a decent amount of energy every day when I'm not sick. Okay. My, uh, my joy is honestly just uh, more of a Thanksgiving for my spiritual director. Um, just, I don't think for those who have spiritual directors, I, I, sometimes I don't think we give them enough credit or enough Thanksgiving just, uh, for the guidance that they give, uh, in, in knowing that's, just just my joy is a thanksgiving for uh, my spiritual director beautiful yeah that's great cool so with that uh mary kate i'm gonna make you end in prayer not make you i'm gonna ask you mary kate would you please cordially invite uh, you end in prayer this episode i'm gonna cordially invite you uh since we had father kevin do last one would you like to end us in prayer i will do that thank you In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, we thank you for this time together, for um, your blessings that you have placed in all of our lives. We ask that in every facet of our lives, you help us to hear your voice and help us to bring you into our lives. Um, And we ask you to show us what your will is whether that be in the silence or um, in whatever way you choose to speak to us. And we ask that you bless all of the listeners of the podcast, bring them peace and joy, and fill them with your love. We ask this through your Holy Mother, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Another Thank you. Another wonderful episode. All right. Till next week. God bless. Bye. <laughs>